0: We are going to begin a study in 1 John tonight. So if you would find your way there in your Bibles. For the parents of middle school or high school, there's going to be a youth Christmas party on December 19th at Calvary Skagit. And it's going to be, obviously, Calvary Skagit, Calvary Bellingham, the Island Church in, um, on Kamano Island, and then Oak Harbor. So it's going to be a great thing for them. And parents come, you know. So when your student or your child signs up for this, make sure that you count your whole family. And we want a head count, because we want to make sure we have enough food for all the folks that will be there. And then um, I don't know if you were at the past or not the pastor's conference the men's conference when um, Pastor Brian from Tacoma shared, but he's going to be sharing uh, the word that night as well. So that would be wonderful. And then um, Calvary Cafe for the ladies. The sign-up sheet, if you're planning on attending, the ladies really need to get a a head count. So the sign-up sheet is downstairs here. It's by the bar over on this side. So if you would, on your way out, go ahead and sign up. Write down how many people you're going to take or bring with you. And the ladies are really looking forward to that. So, and then there's a... um, we haven't really mentioned it much. It's just, but there's a concert with uh, uh, Weak Sheep and um, I want to say Marielle, but Weak Sheep and Hansel and Gretel, and then who is the other? It's Hansel and Gretel. Handsome, <laughs> handsome, boy. You got your back again. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So it's three different uh, groups or whatever. And that will be at the Duncan Farm. So, yeah. And it's going to be food and drinks and maybe even like a maybe donut. One of the donut places, they you just going to and stuff like that. Oh, good. The 11th. The 11th, okay. So. Okay, so Ladies' cover Cafe, the 10th, concert, the 11th, and then the, the youth, the uh, the 19th. So, okay. And um, I feel like I'm forgetting. Oh, How much is that one? There's a fee for that. Yeah, it's $10. You can buy it before or after, but the little little kids are free. So I think it's like 600 or $500 are free. So it's like $10 for a... Or, or 10 Okay. Because they're trying to, they're, they were trying to fill the room, but they want the families to come. So I know they're not going to charge for all okay. okay, good. So, yeah. And then, did, who put this up? Trace, did you put it up? So that was for the Ladies Calvary Cafe. Okay, good. I just want to make sure we it says sign up for CC. at the CC. <laughs> we got a lot of CCs going around here. Anyway, Father, we thank you for tonight. And, uh, Lord, looking forward to starting a new study. We pray, Father, that you would speak to us as we take bite by bite out of this epistle. We pray, Lord, there are so many things here that are so pertinent for us to know and apply to our own lives. We pray that we might find comfort in your word. We pray for those that are ill that need a healing touch from you, Lord. We pray that you would restore them and bring them to full, full, uh, full healing, Lord, restoration. So we ask these things in Jesus' name, Amen. So this is First John. Now, guys, obviously, when John wrote this, um, he didn't write First John. <laughs> We have three epistles from John, and of course we have the gospel account written by John. And so, of course, all of that was added. Uh, you know, the one, two, three, or you what you know. But John was the son of James. Uh, he was a brother of James, the son of Zebedee. And um, he was the same John that was, is there, are you trying to get my attention? No, oh okay, I'm sorry, no. Uh, He was the same John who stood at the foot of the cross as Jesus was being crucified, and remember Jesus as he's hanging there, he says to Mary, and and remember we gather that John was the only um, of the original 12, of course Judas was gone, but the only of the remaining 11 that was there at the cross. All the others fled, just as the prophet Zechariah said that they would, you know, strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. And they all scattered, but John was there, and John was there with Mary. And as Jesus was hanging there on the cross, uh, Jesus said to Mary, Behold your son. Remember that? And we know that he wasn't saying, Behold me. Because as the text goes on, then he turned to um, John the Beloved. We refer to him as John the Beloved. And he said, Behold your mother. And then the scripture tells us from that day forward, John took her and cared for her. So this tells us something about John. You know, it tells us that, that Jesus knew. That, that Mary would be in good hands with John. Now, I don't know if that was always the case. Because remember that the Lord gave James and John a nickname, the Sons of Thunder. And we don't know why he named them that. We speculate that he named them that, or, or gave them th- this title, because of the incident that happened recorded in Luke's Gospel When Jesus knew that his time had come, he has his face set like flint toward Jerusalem. So he's going to Jerusalem. He goes into a Samaritan village, and the people of that village would not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. And they probably were put off. They probably thought, well, gee, we thought you were a friend of Samaritans, you know, and and now you're determined. Your your face is, is, you know you're heading toward Jerusalem, you know, and so they didn't receive him. And remember, it was James and John who said, let me get the exact uh, reading because it's, it's really quite comical, I think. They said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? I wonder if Jesus laughed. I mean, it was like, you know, who do you guys think you are? you you know like really have you ever done this before guys (laughs) do you guys really think you have the power the authority to do this do you really uh, see yourself as kind of an elijah character we know how jesus responded because it's recorded he said to them you do not know what manner of spirit you're of you know you guys don't get it you you think you're going to wield your power and your authority and and that type of thing that's not what i'm about that's not what you should be about and so he rebuked them really so there was a change obviously there was a change from john you know part of uh sons of thunder to now uh this man that jesus would entrust his own mother with we know john i, I you know i was so drawn to john's writings because john seemed to be though the scripture doesn't say that he's that but when you just read his epistles, and you, and you read his gospel account, because his gospel account isn't like the other gospel accounts. It's, it's unique. It's different. That John seemed to be the apostle of love. And by that I mean he, he, he talked about love quite a bit. In fact, in this short little epistle, you know, how many chapters do we have? You know, five chapters. In this short little epistle, he uses the word love 34 times. So love was a theme of John, and we'll see that as we go on. You know, there was a story of John as an elderly man. We know that he was exiled to Patmos, and that's where he received and and then um, wrote the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. and then it's believed that he was released from his exile, and so he ended up he didn't die there on Patmos, but um there's a story, tradition, again, we don't see this in the scripture, but that when John was elderly, they would pick him up and they would carry him into the, you know, the congregation, the the gathering of the believers, and he would, he would say to them, little children love one another. Little children love one another. And, uh, you know, tradition says that some protestants say, oh, oh, John, you always say that, you know. We want more. And he says, if you do this, it's enough. Little children love one another. And of course, you know, that's the greatest commandment, isn't it? That we would love God first and foremost, and then love each other. And so John, uh, in case you think, you know, well, that's kind of a stretch, the apostle of love, you know. What, did he have a peace sign, you know, hanging around his neck or something? Um, But, you know, you you know this in John's gospel account John did not refer to himself as I you know in the first person but he referred to himself five different times as um, the one whom Jesus loved and I think that's interesting I mean I don't think that John thought that he was the only one that Jesus loved out of the 12 you know I'm sure that Jesus uh you know loved and expressed his love to all, to all of them even Judas you know we we even see that at when Jesus um dipped the bread in the in the sauce you know and 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 Judas dipped at the same time and that was a sign that this is the one you know that that there wasn't this harshness uh, uh from Jesus toward Judas but there was Almost this tenderness and this love toward toward Judas. Um, I don't think Judas fully understood what he was about to do. But anyway, the one whom Jesus loved. I want to ask you a question, and I don't want you to an- because you're going to answer it really fast because you're all Christians, and so you're going to give the Christian answer to the to the question. So I don't want you to answer it. I just want you to think about the question. And here's the question. How did John know that Jesus loved him? I want you to think about that. How did John know that Jesus loved him? Now, of course, the quick Christian answer would be, because he died for him. Right? I mean, that would be the, the question, or the, the answer that would come to mind for us. Because he died for him. Of course. That's how we know that Jesus loved us. But that's assuming... That, that John didn't see himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved before the cross. I, you know, if, if John was a misfit, if he was, you know, saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing, having the, right, the wrong spirit, you know, he uh, went into torch places rather than see them be saved, you know. And yet, the Lord was compassionate and patient and loving. And in time, John changed, you know. And surely, when he was empowered with the Holy Spirit, um, there would be a radical change, I believe. What if John was just so overwhelmed with the fact that Jesus loved him? I like to think that the reason John knew that Jesus loved him is because Jesus expressed his love to John in life. Um, You know, you can tell when someone doesn't like you. You know, I mean, you just, you you feel the vibes, you know. There's a few folks around here, and I I get the vibe. It's kind of like, you know, they kind (laughs) of tolerate me, you know, but... um, I kind of feel it, you know, but but you also you also know when someone cares for you. It's just the way they 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 carry themselves and the way they talk to you and and uh, you know. And I'm sure that, that John knew that Jesus loved him. Speaking of saying the wrong thing. I had one of my grandsons with me early this week. He's earning money for Christmas, and so he was doing work around here, and we went uh, to get some lunch and then cash a check, you know, so that he could pay the guy. And I'm at a light down at the highway in Pioneer and my window's down because it was kind of warmer, you know, and and there he was, our friend, tongue in cheek, that was here a few Sundays ago with his signs out in front of the, <laughs> the church, you know. And and uh and so I happened to be right there with my window open and, and he's, you know, showing his sign and and and, and I just think oh People are honking and putting their thumbs up just like I used to do to this guy. Because I thought, you know, this guy's, you know, he's on our team, you know. Till after I talked to him and realized, well, he's not on our team at all, you know. So he's kinda going, he's got a sign and he sees my window open, he goes, Are you ready, sir? And I said, I am. Are you ready, sir? And I said, You're a fraud. You're a fake. I thought you were legit. But you're protesting at churches. You think that you're sinless. Light changes. You think that you're an apostle. <laughs> you, you're a fraud. You're a fake. So we made our way to the bank. And I was a little worked up after that. So I, have, I feel no shame for doing that at all. At all. I, I don't. I, I just don't have any guilt about that. Here's the guilt part of the story. I go to the bank. I'm at that bank a number of times a week. I, we, we bank there with the church. We, I, Tracy and I bank there, you know, we, and I know all the people, and I pull up to the window to cash the check, and the gal says, do you bank with us? And I said, oh, oh, yes, I do, I do. Okay, thank you. She goes back, can I please see some ID? Now, that was a small little request, wasn't it? She was new. And I just, like, coped this attitude. I go, oh. You know, I, I don't say anything, but it's, like, on my face. Oh. All these people know me in there. <laughs> and then I'm waving. And then people turn around they go, oh, that's, oh, that's Dan, you know. He's, a, he's okay, you know. She goes, okay, I'm sorry, now I know. Okay. So I'm with my grandson. I'm, I happen to be with the grandson that would never think of saying, as I'm saying how big of a jerk I was and how I shouldn't have done that. He's the one grandson <laughs> that would never think of saying, Papa, it wasn't that bad. He said, "Yeah, Papa, that was kind of rude." <laughs> I said, "Yeah." I said, "Was it? Was I really?" He goes, "Yeah, she, you know, she was just doing her job, and <laughs> she's obviously new there." And I, you know, as I'm driving next to my grandson there in the truck, I, I felt myself literally, physically shrinking. You know, <laughs> barely see over the, you know. Do you know that the Lord loves you? You know, sometimes I think we we think, well, I, I believe he loves me when I'm doing good, when I say the right things and all this, but the fact of the matter is that he loves us. You know, we have the John 3.16, which is in one sense kind of generic, you know, for God so loved the world. He loves humanity. But then we have so many scriptures that talk about the love that the Lord has personally for us, as sinners redeemed and washed by the blood of the Lamb. And we need to remember this, guys, because I think that so often, you know, we're under this like heavy cloud of condemnation and I'm so unworthy and I blew it. I can't believe I did that again and, and this type of thing. John was in awe of the fact that the Lord loved him. And I believe that we should constantly be in awe of the fact that the Lord loves us. So the first four verses is our text, long introduction. Look what it says. That which was from the beginning, I'm going to emphasize some words here, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested. This is a word that you're going to see quite often in John's epistle, it's an important word, was manifested. And we, and you'll note the pronoun there, he's not saying I, 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 me, me, he's saying we. Listen, what I'm telling you, I'm not alone on this. We have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard we declare to you. Again, it's not just I. He's the one writing the letter. But he says, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write, we write, that you that your joy or our joy, you'll note that, it's your or our, I think it's both, joy may be full so john you're going to see as as i'm teaching and and nate's teaching you know you'll get kind of the backstory here but john is emphasizing first of all his desire and not just his desire but their desire we want to have fellowship with you our fellowship is with the father with the son we want you to join in this fellowship because when we're sharing this fellowship together and you know the word fellowship it's koinonia koinonia it speaks of oneness and sharing and having in common and it's a word that we don't we don't have an english equivalent so we have to throw a bunch of english words at it uh, to kind of get a meaning of it but he says we want to share in this this fellowship we want the the fellowship of of the Lord uh, to be experienced by you and us, and this mutual thing, it's going to build us up, and and there's, there's going to be joy. But he knows that the only basis for true fellowship <clears throat> is believing the right things <laughs> about the Lord, and so in the very first four verses of course he didn't write with verses but in in our bibles the very first four verses he emphasizes the humanity of Jesus and the deity of Jesus he speaks of the fact that that first of all he's not just a man he's god The deity of Christ, the eternal nature of God. We see it in things like, look what it says, which was from the beginning. Or the word of life, logos, logos, the word of life. And then his natural nature, his uh, human nature, his incarnation. We see it in things like the life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and so John, he's saying, now, now why is he emphasizing this? Why, why would you emphasize that? Why would you start with that? And the reason he started with this is because the problem that these believers were dealing with were the Gnostics. The Gnostics were those who claimed to have a superior spiritual knowledge they were the elite you know they were they were above head and shoulders above everyone else and everyone else you know they were idiots compared to them and these gnostics held to beliefs that were not true about Christ they believed that Jesus um wasn't really a man but he was he was a manifestation he was like a phantom and they had all sorts of stories they would say well you know Jesus and his disciples As they would walk along the the shore of the Sea of Galilee, you know, there would be 12 sets of footprints. Of course, the 12 sets from the 12 disciples. But Jesus wouldn't leave any footprints, because he was a phantom. He was like a spirit. And of course, they would build this whole thing, because they said, well, you know, matter is evil. And so there's no way that God would take on the form of a man because, you know, a physical form is matter. And, um, and, and so, uh, and they would have all these different stories. Some of their stories would even conflict. Some would say, well, no, yeah, he, he could manifest into a physical body. But when he died on the cross, it was not Jesus that was dying on the cross. It was, and all of these different things. And so John says, listen, that's nonsense." That's absolute nonsense. When we met Jesus, and remember remember how John first met Jesus? John and Andrew were disciples of John the Baptist. And when John the Baptist, he's preaching, of course, you know, and I baptize you with water, but he who comes after me will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And, and so he's preaching repentance, you know, preparing people for the coming of the Messiah. And then Jesus comes upon the scene, and John says, Behold the Lamb of God. And so um, Andrew and John, and they're the only two that were told about. Maybe there were others, but those two men stopped following John and started following Jesus, where are you going, where are you staying, you know, come and see, you know. And then, of course, we see, uh, so we see that in, in John's gospel account, but then the other synoptic gospels, we see Jesus coming along, walking along the seashore, and And you have the two sets of brothers. They seem to all be in business together. Uh, James, John, and Zebedee, their father, with the servants. I think, weren't they mending nets or casting nets? I forget which they were doing. And then Andrew and Peter, they were doing the opposite of what I just said, either casting or mending nets. And, um, And he called them, those four, and they left their boats, left their professions, and they began to follow Jesus from that day forward. But John would be able to say, listen, we, when he came upon, he wasn't a phantom. He was a man. When you get close to him, you could feel his breath on your face. When he reached out and he touched me. And, you know, guys, don't you get the impression when you read the gospel accounts that Jesus touched a lot of people? I think a touch is really important that's why i think it's interesting no there's obviously the wrong kind of touch and the right kind of touch but i think that you know the enemy's always trying to attack you know anything that's good so that we're afraid to do anything you know but but I, i i think of um jesus he he touches lepers well that would be moving that would be something you want to forget if you're a leper. And, you know, you haven't been touched by your own family members. And who knows how long, you know, since you've been diagnosed with the disease. And then Jesus, a stranger to you, comes up to you. And he, he reaches out his hand and he touches you. And he says, be clean, be cleansed. Well, that would leave an impact. Um, You know, in John's Gospel as I mentioned five times he says that he is the disciple whom Jesus loved or the equivalent to that the wording's a little bit different do you know that the first time he says that he is the disciple whom Jesus loved is right after he records of a disciple the disciple who whom Jesus loved was leaning up against the breast of of Jesus now that's close when you're 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 sitting, you know, obviously, we have these pictures of the the Last Supper by Da Vinci, is that what (laughs) One of the assistant pastors at our old church gave our oldest son this, like, gigantic picture of the Last Supper. It was one of those gifts where Tracy and I just looked at Dan and said... Thank you. <laughs> and we moved that thing. We moved that thing up here when we moved. And it was, you know, it was in the closet, you know, in and, and Joshua's closet. And this just massive thing. Unrelated, but I thought it was interesting. I was watching, you know, we used to live in Santa Barbara. And for a while I worked for a, a security company, alarm company. And we would install these alarms and maintain these alarms in these millionaires' homes. You know, we did John Travolta and Kenny Loggins and Jim Messina, which Loggins and Messina. And, you know, uh, just a lot of these people. And um, uh, Michael Jackson, of course, had a home there. So did Ronald Reagan, had his farm up there, you know. And we'd see these people come in. You know, they'd fly into the airport there and everything. And it was always a big deal when anyone would come in. But I was watching the show, and they were showing a tour of Michael Jackson's, uh, what was it, Wonderland or whatever? Or I mean, it's just Neverland? Yes, Neverland. Neverland? I think it's, yeah, because like uh, Peter Pan, never grow up. Yeah, that's right. So, so they're kind of scanning through, and a lot of the rooms are vacant, you know, and then they went up to his bedroom that wasn't there was still furniture up there but they kind of show this picture on the wall and it's a picture of like the last supper guess who was in the middle michael (laughs) so weird gross and then there was like robert kennedy and john f kennedy kind of over to one side you know and then but all these famous people but michael wanted it painted obviously so that he's like the christ figure you know anyway we know that they didn't sit at tables like that. They didn't, and they surely didn't <laughs> sit like they're all facing <laughs> the screen. They sat the way people would sit in that part of the world at that time, where people still choose to sit. They would sit in a circle around a table. The table was where the meal was placed. The meal was communal. It wasn't my plate, this is my dish, this is my cup, uh, this is ours. And you could go to Israel today. The last time I went to Israel, we had uh, a meal at this place in a tent. You know, it was obviously a tourist type of thing, but it was kind of cool to do it. And um, uh, Abraham's uh, lunch or something, I don't know what it was, but anyway. Um, and we sat on the ground, just like they would do on a round table, and you had the different sauces and you would share and everyone's swapping saliva and you know that's the way it is. But see, when you read the Bible, if something doesn't make sense, you need to look at it differently, not look at it from an American standpoint. How in the world is John leaning, laying up against on the breast of Jesus because they're they're in a they're in a circle, they're round about. Jesus' feet would be behind John. John would be in front of him. He leans back on, not that he's cuddling like that with Jesus, but he leans back to ask Jesus, Who is it, Lord? Who is it, Lord? That's when he first mentions the fact that he is the disciple whom Jesus loved. There's no doubt that that John felt the touch of Jesus that they all felt the touch of Jesus he says he was real he was physical he was a man but he's also God he is the word of life he's he's that which was from the beginning Or as Paul would write, Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, for by him, speaking of Jesus, by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on the earth. On earth, excuse me, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him, and and he is before all things, and in him all things consist jesus well how's that possible because he's god do you ever have people say oh nowhere in the bible does it say he's god well a number of places it says he's god Uh, turn with me to hebrews chapter one we'll just look at one example and i think this is a wonderful example hebrews chapter one and you know, the, the writer of Hebrews, whoever he was, we all have our idea, don't we, or our theories on who the writer of Hebrews was. But he, in essence, is saying, Listen, Jesus is better. Jesus is better than the prophets. Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus is better than Abraham. Jesus is better than Melchizedek. Jesus is better. That's the whole theme of Hebrews, you know. But as he's going through this, look at verse 7. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirit and his ministers a flame of fire? Now look at verse 8. But to the Son, he says. So who's the Son? Jesus. And who's the he? God the Father. But to the Son, he says, look what he says, your throne, O God. It's the Father speaking to the Son. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is uh, the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. And you, Lord, the word Lord there is Yahweh, Yahweh. Y H W H, you know they don't even know how to. They don't even know how to spell it correctly. They don't want to misspell it. So we have this kind of, you know, close. By the way, do you ever read Hebrew literature? Isn't it cool how even when they write the word God, it's G D. They leave out O. It's respect. There's just this thing. It's the name. The name is so holy. You don't want to mess with the name. You know. You don't want to get the name. So anyway, and it goes on. and says, "You, Lord, the beginning, uh, in the beginning, laid the foundation." Again, he's still speaking to the to the sun. You laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They were. Uh, they will perish, but you remain. And they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. And it goes on for the, from there. And then he dropped down to verse 13. Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies a footstool. Now we recognize that from the Psalms. So he's God. And so he says, listen, we saw him in his life. And more importantly, we saw him in his resurrection. See, if, we, if we're just testifying to the fact that he was a real man in life, that's not enough. But he was a real man and we saw him in his resurrection that proves he is who he claimed to be. He is the one who existed before creation because he created all things. And then he became man. We, we, again, John. John's gospel, John chapter one. You know, it's don't you love the way John begins his uh, gospel account? You know, no mention of the birth of Christ, um, but he still deals with the incarnation. It's his Christmas story version. What's John's Christmas story uh, version? Well, here it is. I mean, this is part of it. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld we beheld his glory <laughs> the glory of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth so john says we have seen with our eyes we have we have looked upon and our hands have handled his testimony he's giving testimony to the evidence of his incarnation But he's also giving evidence to his resurrection. And we're going to see that in just a moment. But I want you to note the the progression here. Heard, seen with our eyes, looked upon, our hands have handled. Now, seeing is more proof than hearing, right? Because if we just heard something, I heard the voice of God. How do you know it was the voice of God? I know. I heard it. It was the voice of God. Could have been someone outside there with a little loudspeaker or something, you know. So, so hearing is proof, but seeing is more proof. And to look upon that means to gaze at. So it's not just this flash. I saw. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm gazing. I'm looking. I'm I'm concentrated. I'm I'm taking it all in. Well, that's more proof than merely seeing or glancing at. And touching, see, it just keeps, there's just more and more Touching is more proof than hearing, seeing, or gazing at. Again, I, I think of the people that were touched by Jesus and the people that Jesus touched resurrection remember the resurrection this is from Luke 24:39 Jesus he says behold my hands and my feet that it is I myself what does he say handle me we have handled at his invitation of course handle me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. It's just touch. Remember, Thomas wasn't there. And so he hears about all of this. I mean, you talk about missing it, you know. And, and you hear about all this thing. Oh, you should have been here, Thomas. You know, it was great, you know. And, and he goes into that whole thing. I won't believe unless I see, unless I, you know. So then John chapter 20, verse 27, Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believe. And then, of course, Jesus went on to say, he went on to speak of us prophetically, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. So John says, I want, to, I want to set the record straight. I know that you're, you're dealing with these false teachers, these Gnostics. They have all these stories to tell. They, they present themselves as being elite and smart and, and have you know, uh, uh, you know, spiritual insight that the average person doesn't have. But I'm telling you, they're liars. Don't listen to them. Because I saw him. We saw him. It's not just I. I'm not just saying, you know, because, why? Because the Bible doesn't care about one witness. It has to be two or more. And and, and so he says, we, we, we. This sounds French. But we've seen him, you know. Concerning the word of life. Again, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word... And the word was with God, and the word was God. There's another God verse for us. John went on to say, In him was life. Now this is John's gospel. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And then remember how he goes on, he says, And and yet the men did not like the light because the light exposes their wicked deeds. So the word logos, logos, it's a, well, we know what a word is. Um, I have a thought. You don't know what my thought is until I use words to tell you what my thought is. My, my, My thoughts are there, but until they're manifested or until they're, heard you're not going to know what's being said so so Jesus is the word of god in what way he's scripture no 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 he's he's god's thoughts he's god's intention he's got this is this is god revealing his will to humanity in a physical body that when you know when he was hurt, he was hurt. I mean, when he bled, he bled. It was real blood, and 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 yet, um, we see kind of this, you know. You have the incarnation. You know, let me, let me go over here. Peter, if you just go back a page or two, Second Peter, because you have the incarnation, the 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 human nature of jesus that's important the bible teaches that it emphasizes that but then you have the the um divine nature of jesus the bible's clear on that old testament new testament alike guys this isn't something new when you get to the new testament isaiah spoke about the deity of christ and the other prophets did but then you have kind of this thing that happened in the midst of the ministry of jesus and uh and Peter, of course, was there, John was there, and James was there and and Peter makes reference of it in his second epistle in verse sixteen, chapter one, verse sixteen, second Peter, second Peter one sixteen for we, again, because it 's not just me because my own personal testimony means nothing biblically, it needs to be two or more, for we did not follow cunning cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses. So he's saying what John was saying. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So now he's speaking of something different. He's speaking of the transfiguration. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the Excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice, which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. then he goes on from there. These men, eyewitnesses. You know, guys, I want you to think about something here. John writes this letter, and we're not really sure who he was writing it to. You know, it doesn't have, uh, it's not like to the Corinthians, to those in Galatia, to the church in Ephesus, to those in Thyatira, or Thessalonica, excuse me. Um, We don't have, so we don't know really for sure where they were, or, or, you know, we have an idea of what they were dealing with from the letter. But we believe that he wrote this from Ephesus. So he wrote this epistle when he was there in Ephesus. When he wrote, these, when he wrote this letter and the others wrote their letters, do you think they knew they were right in Scripture? I don't think so. I mean, why would they? When, when Paul wrote to Timothy, <laughs> do, do, do you think he knew he was writing Scripture? Do you think he knew that, that um, it would become a part of our Bibles? Do you think he knew that Christians 2,000 years after he wrote it would be studying it? And, and seeking insight, you know, spiritual insight from these things. I don't think they knew that. But the Holy Spirit knew it. It's the Holy Spirit who moved these men to write the things that they wrote. And um, and, and you think of this, you say, well, that's what they were dealing with. So you say, well, yeah, he wasn't writing to us. He was writing, he was writing to a specific group wasn't writing to us well that that's true but these things are still pertinent for us because we have people that are denying the deity of christ or the humanity of christ all the time there's so much heresy that's entered the church i was thinking earlier this week how I'm sure that I sounded like, and I probably still do, like a squeaky wheel all the time, you know. You're talking about this and talking about, why do you have to point out negative things? Why do you have to talk about these things? Oh, do we really have to hear about these things, you know. And, and I tried to be uh, current, somewhat current. If there was something that seemed to be an issue in the church, that was affecting a large portion of the church. I'm not talking about Calvary Chapel, low Harbor. I'm talking about the church at large. Um, I would I would address it. I would address these things. Um, you know, the shepherding movement when that was a big deal. I would address that. I would I would I, we would look at scriptures concerning that. I would say, um, you know, guys. You don't need a shepherd or an elder over you. You're to be led by the Spirit of God. You don't. You're not a slave to man. You don't have to uh, put yourself under subjection to a man as your spiritual head or authority. You know, and so if I, you know, I. I love this woman. I'd really like to marry her. I better go ask my shepherd or my, you know, elder or whatever to see if it's okay. I would address that because this is something the Bible specifically speaks about this. In fact, when Jesus says he hates the deeds and he hates the doctrines of the Nicolaitans, the Nicolaitans were those who lord over the laity. He says, I hate that. I don't like that. That's not how my church is to be functioned or to function. Um, You know, when uh, the Toronto blessing was a big deal. And you had churches, and we had churches in our community. You know, we had pastors that were going. um, I remember the pastor of Living Word went there, you know, and he was going to check it out and you know and it was kind of the thing you go and you get the blessing and then you bring the blessing back to your home church and then you you know then they get it it's kind of like covid <laughs> I'm sorry. so you know and that was kind of a big deal you know for a while there and then and then after that, then it was uh, Brownsville, the same type of thing, you know. And, and don't get me wrong. I, I am so blessed when I look at the scriptures and I, and I just, you know, I, I read of these. And I'm sure that you guys do the same thing. Old Testament, New Testament, you read about these things. Say, oh, Lord, I wish we could see that. Lord, I wish we could, you know, see this kind of Pentecost experience. I mean, the real deal, the genuine thing. Oh, Lord. I wish we could, um, you know, see mighty men of valor like David or Samson, you know, taking the gate of some city and taking, you know, I wish we could see stuff like that. Oh, it'd be so wonderful, Lord! And oh, Lord, I wish that we had. I, I wish we had widows in the church. It was legit, you know, not a con. But widows in the church saying, you know, I didn't have anything, and and all I had was, you know, this oatmeal. Oil. I don't know what you do with oil right now, but I had this oatmeal and and I only had enough for, for, for one meal, and that was it. And and I put it in and I and I looked in the box and I, I still had more, but I ate my meal and I had plenty. And you know that lasted me until my my uh, security check came in or whatever it was. You know. I want to hear stories like that. I believe that God can do whatever He wants to do. But when you have the counterfeit stuff, it doesn't help. It's not like promoting God. It's really doing damage to the God of the Bible because it's a counterfeit. It's not the real deal. And so you have that. And then the Brownsville, you know, Brownsville was a a revival. And I remember when that first happened, I was listening and I was watching because I thought, well, now this seems different this seems different because there was no sound preaching at Toronto, none at all. It was Loopyland there, but but in 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 Brownsville, now now they're preaching the gospel. They are preaching a gospel message. This might be legit. This might be the real deal. And you know, and and maybe it was. Maybe it was the Lord just. Mother's Day, he just kind of pours out his spirit on this church, and there's just like this revival that seems to be taking place. But then, you know, it just kind of went sideways. And then the emerging church. And you had, you know, Mars Hill, not Mars Hill, Seattle, but you know Morris Hill Bill uh, what's his name Bell uh, Rob Bell and uh, some of these other guys you know that were just doing and saying and all sorts of stuff and I remember being so concerned about that and I I remember uh, one Sunday um doing a study on the emergent church and I had a guy come in an elder here um and he came in and he said, uh, we don't need to hear that stuff. I just kind of looked at him like, you know, shut the door while I beat. No, <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I am a gentle giant. No. No, I said, uh, I just looked at him and I said, what do you mean we don't need that? We don't need to hear that stuff, you know. And so he made his, you know, and then he was gone. He's out the door, went to a church out on the highway and became an assistant pastor and the emergent church had emerged in all facets of the church i mean it was it was it, it did what what brownsville and toronto and all these other things could never even come close to doing it's emerged it's in catholicism it's in the high churches you you know the the, the denominations. It's in the non-denominational churches. It's in the four squares in the Pentecost. It's in Calvary chapels. It has emerged. And it has emerged so thoroughly that people don't even recognize the emergent church any longer. And the fact of the matter is is that I did need to speak about those things. And we do need to address those things. And we live in a time, guys, where people... Are belittling, you know, the Lord and faith in the Lord. I, I saw today, and I, you know, I don't, I don't watch it because I really have a hard time with the majority of Christian television. But you know, the founder of Daystar died uh, Tuesday, so um, he uh, he died. He had COVID. The headline. This is so heartless. We live in such a hateful world. Anti-vaxxer, TV evangelist, dies of COVID. It's almost like, you know, boom. Marielle was saying before you folks came, she says, we never read about um, vaxxed uh, athlete drops dead on the field or, you know, whatever. You know what I mean? Because it's, slant, it's, it's only going to go one way. It's only going to... Criticize one way but i just think of how you know this this mocking and how could you believe in such things and and guys we're we're attacked not just from the outside we're attacked from the inside and this is why we need to be people who you know, know the Word of God, read the Word of God, study the Word of God. In fact, I hope that tonight even you'll sit down, read these four verses and say, Lord, could you show me something personal, personally from this? Because it's really straightforward, isn't it? You know, these are the things, we've seen these things, we've heard these things, we've handled, excuse me, the Lord. We get testified to the fact that he was flesh and blood in his in His incarnation. We get testified to the fact after his resurrection he was flesh and blood we could touch him we could put this is before he ascended into heaven remember what he said to mary don't cling to me she was clinging to him i have not ascended to the father yet now um, you know he says we could testify and we testify to these things because we want you to believe we don't want you to get ripped off We don't want you ripped off because there's these people around you that are saying, Jesus, oh yeah, he was great, he was wonderful, he was this or that, but he didn't really die on the cross for your sins. That wasn't Jesus that died on the cross for your sins. That was something else that died on the cross for your sins. Because matter, physical matter, is sinful. See, the the logic of the Gnostics was this. You could do whatever you want with your body because it's matter. You want to get wasted? You want to fornicate? We live in such a sexually perverse culture. I saw just two nights ago, I was watching something, this agenda. I mean, we've heard about it, but this is literally, I mean, this is a literal agenda. They're pushing this pedophile agenda that between consenting, you can't say consenting adults, but but between two consenting people that pedophilia should be legal in our in our we are we have gone so far we are going to hell in a handbasket our our culture is guys but see the gnostics they they come up with this stuff they come up with this reasoning you know it's like these yo-yos that were out here i don't sin you know i got that you guys saw me walk out if you're at the first service some some of the guys get so upset with me. You know, I am a man. I don't have other people do stuff for me, and don't ever feel like oh, I gotta protect Dan. I've never had anyone protect me <laughs> my entire life. If I'm really old and I'm like, can you help me with the wheelchair to get down the stairs? Then you can help me. But until then, leave me alone. Let me deal with things. But I went out there. I talked with those guys. In the, in the matter of time, the, the worship song had started. Jim had come up and said, can I show you something? I walked outside. I talked with them. I came back and finished the worship song. So we're talking about seconds. And in that short period of time, I said, oh, I got where you guys are coming from. You guys don't sin, right? No, we don't sin. See, we keep running into these people that are sinless. They are without sin. Do you see the reasoning there? So, so when I gave that guy a piece of my mind, and he looked at me like, "I want to kill that guy," which I've told the now. So here's something to do: <laughs> I've told the security here, if they come back to the church, ask them to leave. If they don't leave, call the police. And the reason I've told him to do that is because the man has been violent. Both men have been violent. One was in a fist fight, from what I understand. And the other fellow, because I called a pastor friend of mine. See, these guys, they make the rounds. And he was telling me, oh, yeah, he came to our church, as David told us. But also, he said, I, I saw him. He was in a coffee shop with another pastor, and I walked up to another pastor. See, guys, there's something about us Calvary pastors. We are, we don't care. <laughs> we, we, we don't care. We do care. That's what it is. We do care. And my pastor friend went up to this pastor, and he said, this man is a charlatan. This is what he believes. You need to watch him. And the guy stood up started screaming in my friend's face. He said he was in my face. I said, boy, you showed such, such restraint. I would want to move the face from my, from my face, you know. But, but uh, he said he screamed at me all the way out to my truck. And I told him, I said, I'm getting in my truck. I'm backing up. If you don't move, you might get ran over. <laughs> this is not a threat. It's just a warning, you know. But I was talking to Nehemiah about this. Nehemiah, good insight. He said, Dad, for a man to react so violently shows the true character. And I said, exactly. But see, if you believe that you are done with sin, that's not sin to react like that. See, I share a story with you, and I make fun of it, but I really did feel embarrassed and bad about kind of having an attitude toward the teller who was just simply doing her job, because I thought, what a jerk you are not her what a jerk i am you know but see that's the conviction of the holy spirit and my grandson Ethan. <laughs> but um but you know if if you could just justify any behavior that comes out of your life and i don't sin so i don't have to repent so whatever i do is right so how far do you go you see what i'm saying guys so we live in a time where the the culture is sexually perverse and we could say well so well the text today it didn't deal with sexual immorality or anything no 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 no, no. i'm just giving you kind of the backstory this is where if, if you're wrong if you're wrong about jesus here it's like a snowball and it goes further and further out and you get to a point where you could be like the Gnostics, who believed that they could be sexually perverse. They could do anything they wanted with their physical body because their physical body was matter. And the spirit is the only thing that counts. It's the same, guys, it's the same, it's the same thinking of people. And you meet them because they're all over the place who say, I don't sin anymore. It is the exact same heart so whatever i do it's not sin it doesn't matter i don't have to repent i haven't done anything wrong and this is why we need to be people who know the word of god we read the word of god we study the word of god we could reason with others in the word of god. we could discern when we're talking to somebody you know because that guy flipping his sign and everything I, I, I was so blessed by the fact that he was out there doing that. I really was when I would see him, and I would honk, and I'd give him thumbs up, and, oh, praise the Lord, brother. I'd give him the one-way sign, you know, and all of that. And then after this whole thing, I thought, isn't it sad, Lord? Where are the, the people that, you know, want to go out on the street and preach the gospel or hold up signs, but they're legitimate, and they don't have some weird ulterior motive? These guys came to the church because they said, you teach pre-trib rapture. And I said to them, that's why you've come here? I mean, honestly. I mean, if that's the cause, I mean, this is a non-essential, you know. do You know, we do preach that salvation is through faith alone. But I, but if I would have gone there, they might not have agreed with that, you know. So, Father, we pray that you would help us to be people of your word